Hey there, e-commerce enthusiasts. Let me tell you about a game changer in shipping, ShipStation. It's the ultimate platform for simplifying your shipping process. With ShipStation, you can easily import, manage, and ship your orders in no time. It integrates seamlessly with your favorite e-commerce platforms and carriers, ensuring a smooth workflow. Gain valuable insights with their powerful analytics and reporting tools. Say goodbye to shipping headaches. Visit foxcitiesmm.com slash ship and level up your shipping game today. You're listening to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem, your bi-weekly dose of true crime history in a small rural community of Wisconsin. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Milwaukee Mafia. I'm Eric. I'm Gavin. I'm Gavin. Yeah. We're back again. Yeah. What do, you, what do you got for us today? I got to tell you something. Uh, the listeners will probably know this because it'll like appear in the feed or whatever. Okay. But, but I'm going to tell you right now, we're actually going to do an episode that's going to drop in both feeds. Both, in Fox both City's Murder and Mayhem? Mayhem and Mafia. So if Interesting. It, so if you listen to one and you hear this, you can skip it the second time because we're not re-recording it. It's the same thing. But if you only listen to one, well, then you get to hear it either way. So, well, that's weird. Should I should I have done like some double introduction or something? You're you're making things weird here. No, 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 so, no, no. This is a Milwaukee Mafia episode. It's dropping in Fox Cities, and if Fox Cities people want to hear more Mafia stories, they should, you know, subscribe to that feed. And if people in the Milwaukee Mafia feed. Want to hear more stories that happen in the Fox City? They should subscribe to that feed, and that's yes. all there is to it. And and may I just say that if you're not subscribed to both feeds, shame on you. Yeah, shame just, on you. Just kidding. Shame we're we're on not you. not really shaming you, but I am. I would highly recommend <laughs> getting subscribed to the other feed. So, does this story have some sort of connection to the Fox Cities? That it we're does. Okay, or at least at least close enough for our standards. Tenders, yes. Yeah. Which, by the way, for anybody that's not a Fox Cities murder and mayhem listener. Our standards are pretty loose. <laughs> they are. They are pretty loose. Um, I actually, obviously, you can't see this because this is audio, but I I drew a map <laughs> so for my own reference of what's appropriate and what's not. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I would love to see this map. So it goes out to like Manitowoc and Sheboygan. It goes down to Fond du Lac, which is where we are today for today's episode, and it goes up to like. Shano and Oconto. So like way outside the Fox cities, but Northeast Wisconsin. And I'm, and I'm sticking with those boundaries from here on out. Um, anything farther South, that's Milwaukee. We're not going to talk about that. Anything farther West. I don't care. Farther North. Yeah. The UP can have it. So I've, so I've set my boundaries of what, you know, Fox cities, it's not Fox cities anymore, but it's Northeast Wisconsin. So. Someday, Gavin, me and Gavin will start the UP Murder and Mayhem podcast. I don't and... think that'll happen. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot there, but that's, I won't do it. Damn it! But anyway, I got to find another host for that one. Then, yeah. So all this, all this intro uh, to get to our story of the day, which I'm calling Leroy Summers Murder or Suicide. Ooh, ooh, yeah. A little preface. When law enforcement hears about a crime or a rumor of a crime, obviously it's in their best interest to investigate the things that they're told. This story kind of illustrates what happens 
when the rumors get a little out of hand. Okay. So this is this is not no no disrespect to law enforcement. The law enforcement did a great job in this case. The rumors got ahead of the story. Yeah, it, it, it it's going to get a little weird. I I have questions about this, but I think it's better probably to let you just launch into the story to see where it goes before I ask anything. So okay. Go for it. So Leroy Summers is born around 1920. Um, he's from Outagamie County. Um, he resided as a as a young man in Hortonville and Dale. In fact, I'm not even sure if it's both or one or the other. I've seen different things, and I'm guessing he lived out in the country. So it, it could have been somewhere between the two. For people not familiar with Outagamie County, I mean, Hortonville and Dale aren't like right next to each other, but there's a lot of just nothing between them. By 1930, though, the family moved to Oshkosh, where the elder uh, Summers, his father, operated a cheese factory. Young Leroy no doubt was raised in the business and would follow in his father's footsteps. By 1940, the family had moved yet again to Fond du Lac. And now, the father was out of the cheese business. Odd. And he was now selling building materials and... Leroy, our subject, is now a laborer in a cheese factory. Family bouncing in and out of the cheese cheese business around here. And what cheese factory was he a part of? I do not know that. I do not know that. The younger Summers, our focus, Leroy, and from here on out, it's just going to be Leroy, so I'm going to (laughs) stop saying younger and older. Uh, Leroy left the family home and was married around 1942. To Amy Markowski of Fond du Lac, they briefly moved to Freeport, Illinois, where Leroy took up work as a superintendent at a dairy. I know that he was there from 47 to 1950. I'm not sure if it was earlier or later than that, but 47 to 50, they were in Illinois. They had three daughters, and then they came back to Fond du Lac. Do you know, uh, this is really not relevant, but I'm just curious, did you look up where Freeport, Illinois is? I think it's... In the middle of the very north part, so like west of Rockford. Oh, okay. So it's not that far away. I think that's That's where where it it is. is. Okay. Yeah. I just never heard of it. That's why I asked that question. Somebody can call me out on that, but I think that's where it is. Okay. They move back to Fond du Lac. At this point, Leroy now owns his own cheese company, the Full Cream Cheese Company. Which is, I, I don't that, think it's a it's great, a great name. name. Great name. Shut up. Yeah. That is a great name for a cheese company. Okay, Full Cream <laughs> Cheese Company. Which I'm not entirely sure where it is because some things say Malone and some say Pipe. This is, again, one of those situations where if you look on a map, there's kind of some middle of nowhere area between the two of them. And Malone and Pipe are like on the southeast side of Lake Winnebago. Full, full cream cheese company specialized in Italian cheese. Okay, I just want to interrupt because I did check this, and you are correct. Okay, um, Freeport is just west of of Rockford, which and it appears like there's literally nothing between Rockford. And oh, Freeport, really? I didn't know it was that close. Yeah, well, it's not very close, but it doesn't look like there's hardly anything between. The okay, two. you're just driving through the country. Till okay, you I will stuff. tell you. I will tell you why I know that, and nobody listening is going to give a crap. <laughs> but I will tell you why I know that. That is where Dallas Piper was from. 
<laughs> and no, All right. Nobody All right. listening has a clue who that is, but what someone we went to school with. Hey, somebody we went to school with, and why Gavin knows where she's from is beyond me. Why would you know that? That's a whole other story. <laughs> like, whole other story. <laughs> All right. So not relevant. <laughs> just, <laughs> just don't worry about it. All right. Back to the story. We now know that, okay, his father was in the cheese business. He was in the cheese business. He owned his own cheese company. All fine and good. Then comes May 22nd, 1962. Okay. Early in the morning, a man named Adolf Scherbel, and I may be saying that wrong, sorry. <laughs> Early in the morning, he's out on the Mill Pond Road, uh, which is in Oakfield, seven miles southwest of Fond du Lac, when he finds an abandoned car. Okay. He checks closer, and the car is not abandoned. There is a man in the driver's seat, and there is a hose attached from the car's exhaust into the front window of the car. So it sounds heavily, heavily like a suicide. It sure does. He called police. The dispatcher sent over the sheriff and the coroner. The sheriff ran the license plate, which came back to Leroy Summers. They called the Summers house, didn't want to let them into what was going on, but they said, who was the last person to take your car out? And they said, oh, Leroy. And they said, okay, this is probably Leroy in the car then. I don't know what the Summers family thought when they got that call. <laughs> yeah, like, like why the police are asking about where the car is. Either way. So the coroner saw Summers slumped over in the driver's seat. And to him, like, this is an obvious suicide. He goes, there's no doubt about this. The car and the body were towed to the county-operated garage. The coroner went to the Summers' house and told Amy Summers and a daughter uh, what they had found. Amy, understandably, broke down, cried, was in disbelief, and the coroner stayed at the Summers' house until she regained her composure and could pick out a funeral home. She chose the Candlish Funeral Home. I don't know what that is, but if you're in Fond du Lac, that probably means something to you. <laughs> the coroner went to the funeral home with the body and had the district attorney meet him there along with Dr. Keefe. They gave the body a look over this time, and Dr. Keefe said to him, it was obviously carbon monoxide poisoning. There were no signs of external violence at all, and the skin had turned a cherry red color which is a telltale sign of carbon monoxide poisoning, which I did not know. Right. So now I know. <laughs> so you ever see that, you know what happened. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, you, you, your skin is cherry red. You must have been carbon monoxide. So, poisoning. so Dr. Keefe said he didn't see any reason for an autopsy, and he agreed to sign the death certificate there on the spot. The following day, the coroner was called to the Summers house, where he met Amy Summers, Leroy Summers' dad, and Nancy Summers, Leroy Summers' daughter. According to his report, the three, quote, really gave me the business, that's his <laughs> phrase, really gave me the business for declaring the death a suicide. They insisted that simply was not possible. Amy Summers requested an autopsy be done, so Dr. Dr. Decker, the coroner, Actually, I shouldn't say doctor. He's probably not a doctor. Coroner Decker called Dr. Stubbe and an autopsy was done. 
His conclusion was the same as Dr. Keefe. There were no signs of violence, and the cause of death was carbon monoxide asphyxia complicated by pulmonary edema, which is just a fancy way of saying carbon monoxide poisoning. (laughs) The coroner's report is somewhat ambiguous, but it seems that the body may have been embalmed by the time that the autopsy was done. I'm not sure how that would affect the autopsy results. Either way, the conclusion is the same. Mm -hmm. I'm really drilling in here. I'm like, I want to make it very clear. That the coroner, the first doctor on the scene, and the autopsy are all, all saying carbon monoxide. This point. is like no doubts, right? Up to this point, I want you to know, too, it sounds like you're telling me this is a Milwaukee Mafia story. But right now, it just sounds like Fox City's murder remains. And that's story. why it's on both feeds. So. That's why it's on both feeds. Because this would work for either one. Mm-hmm. About a month goes by, Amy Summers still refuses to believe it's a suicide. She signs papers having her husband exhumed. Tissues were taken from his flesh and his brain and sent to the state crime lab, where they would be further analyzed. She testified before a coroner's inquest, I just knew that he would not do this to himself. She thought that there was something suspicious, and she believed that he was making payoffs to unknown parties. Okay. Now it's starting to sell mafia-esque. Yeah. <laughs> the Fond du Lac district attorney told the press, this may lead to something, and again, it may not. <laughs> Which is like the most non-statement you can <laughs> make. Uh, charges of payoffs... Allegedly made by Summers were introduced onto the record by a man named Adolf Ritter, who was the president of the Lamartine Creamery. I don't know if that's how you say Lamartine. So people Sounds who live, good. Okay. Sounds good, though. People so. who live there will be like, what's well, not how you say it? <laughs> he says, I, I had heard rumors of payoffs. And he goes, and I, in fact, I, I loaned Summers large amounts of money on occasion. So he's like, okay. Ritter testified that he obtained this payoff rumor information from a man who I buy insurance from. That's all he would say at first. When they pressed him, he identified the insurance man as James Fletcher, who was a former president of the Fond du Lac Junior Chamber of Commerce. Fletcher denied that he ever told Ritter that Summers made payoffs. Fletcher admitted that they had a conversation about Summers shortly after his death, but it was just a passing conversation. I don't remember saying anything about payoffs. <laughs> the coroner testified at the inquest that his office had positive evidence that Summers died of carbon monoxide poisoning. End of story. So this time, the coroner's inquest heard all this evidence, and the the jury, the coroner jury, of just random local citizens has also now decided that death was suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning. (laughs) This should be the end of it. A few months later, October 13th, 1962, an ex-convict and former employee of the Full Cream Cheese Company, not identified by the newspaper, so I don't know who it was, former employee met with Amy Summers and told her the name of the man who allegedly killed her husband. Wow. Amy had alerted the Fond du Lac police in advance of this meeting, and they secretly recorded the man telling her the killer's name. 
The police later confronted the man, and he told them the same story that he had told Amy Summers, so he did not deny. When the police asked him, he repeated himself. Mm -hmm. Based on this, the district attorney said that the case would be reopened. I'm just <laughs> curious where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> Neither the name of the ex-convict or the alleged killer um, was made public. I don't know who they are. I'm sure it's in a record somewhere, but it's not a record I've seen, so mm -hmm. I do not know. This is October 1962 that this meeting happens. Then there's an election, and there's a new governor elected. His name's John Reynolds. Okay. And John Reynolds comes into office in January 1963. And Governor Reynolds decides that one of his very first speeches, he's going to talk about the dangers of organized crime and how the state should do a better job of fighting it. Okay. Which, you know, good for him. But here's where this goes wrong. <laughs> he says, based on what he's been informed in, like, the week or two he's been in, in office, office, there are three cities in the state plagued by organized crime. Milwaukee, which was pretty obvious. obvious yeah. He also named Kenosha. Because yeah. at the time that this happened, this was just after the Tony Burnett kidnapping and murder. So this was fresh in everyone's and mind. And that is Shallow Grave? That's the Shallow Grave, Grave book. Yep. Okay, okay. Yep, so this is like that same month, so of course that's going to come yeah. up, makes sense. And then Madison, I'm assuming? No. Fond du Lac. Fond du Lac. <laughs> Fond du Lac. He goes, he goes, there's also organized crime in Fond du Lac. And he goes, let me tell you, there's a company there called the Grande Cheese Company. <laughs> And they were built on a history of murder. They have connections to the mafia in Chicago and New York. Following his speech, Grande's president at the time, John DeBella, left Fond du Lac for a while to avoid press inquiries. He did not want to deal with that. And John DeBella, we didn't, when in the last episode that we did on Grande Cheese, he was the one that took it over and had... Maybe loose mafia ties? Like he has mafia ties, but yeah, he's... After all the violence, then he's kind of made the president. And yeah, he's like good friends with some New York mobsters and things like that. Connecting him to any specific crime is really hard, hard to, to do. do. So so what I find interesting here is my belief, and I don't know this for a fact, I don't know where the governor was pulling this from, but it's my belief that Governor Reynolds included Fond du Lac in his list because of how outspoken Amy Summers had been. Because every chance she gets, she's going and telling the news and everyone else, being like, this, this was a, a murder, yeah. this was not a suicide. Now, he, the governor did not mention that in his speech. He mentioned the Grande Cheese murders of the past. But the reason I find this weird is he's making this speech in 1963. Those murders happened in the 1940s. So it's really weird, weird that he's going to be like, this company was committing murders 20 years, years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, there's no reason to bring that up unless he thinks there's a current problem. Mm -hmm. And I think the only reason he thinks there's a current problem is if he's somehow convinced that this is another one of those murders. That Leroy Summers owns an Italian cheese company, 
He's maybe making payoffs. His wife says he was murdered. And so, of course, the other Fond du Lac cheese company is somehow connected. He never explicitly says it. That's what I think he's getting at. So is this the connection between the Milwaukee Mafia? Or I guess it wouldn't even be a connection to the Milwaukee Mafia, just organized crime in general. Is this where we get that connection? Is just because this governor believes that that's what that it is? is? This is the whole thing. This is the whole thing. Like when you when you do like the, the mafia research and grande cheese comes up and i was uh sorry grande cheese like they're totally legit company now they're great they're wonderful <laughs> um but like when this comes up this will show up every time they're mentioned in the newspapers this is, by the way they were suspected in this thing mm-hmm. and like the fbi who did not even investigate the leroy summers case like the fbi would be like oh yeah by the way they were suspected in this leroy summers death just from Amy Summers going out and keep insisting on this with nobody backing her up, it keeps getting picked up by the newspaper, the governor, and so forth. And uh, there's really no shred of evidence whatsoever that no, Grande Cheese had anything to do with. Not this. at all. It's, I mean, not at all. But it comes up. It comes up in the FBI records, the newspaper reports, and stuff like that. So, so yeah, because you asked at this point, I will be very clear. I don't believe there is 1% of a connection between Leroy Summers and the Mafia. I don't believe, I believe that. So. Because it was rumored at the time, I mean, for months on end, it was rumored. It's worth bringing up and addressing, if for no other reason than to say, no, this is not a thing. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that's, I, I think longtime listeners will, will have picked up on this by now. But a, a good part of Organized crime research isn't just finding the connections and the and the hidden facts and things like that. You know, that's the fun part. That's like when you go and you tell people like, ooh, look what I found this hidden owner in this business. Like that's the part people are excited about. The other big part of it is like finding that all the rumors going around were just ridiculous. Are, are crap. Like some of them are true. Sometimes they pan out. Rumors rumors have a way of lodging into the public mind. And it's important to kind of step forward and be like, yeah, where, what is this based on? And, it's, <laughs> and when you really drill down into this, not much. Because I mean, they, it, it, they went, uh, like, this is why I said, like, in the very intro, the law enforcement stuff. Like, law enforcement, and we didn't even really get to the law enforcement part yet. But even, like, the doctors here, like, they're doing their due diligence. Every time she says, please check more, they check more. And they At just some come point, back they should just say, be like, it's not a thing. But, they, but they're like, okay, you know. It's, it's interesting. But okay, so now you, and maybe I missed this, did, did there was talk in there about payoffs. Mm-hmm. What, what was found with, that, with the payoffs? Was there any? Really, Nothing. It, not even that it, there was, he was making payoffs? Because no. I thought they found payments or something. I no. Think said. No? Okay. No, so the, she had heard rumors of payoffs. She said who she heard it from. That guy then testified that he had heard rumors of payoffs. And then he said who he heard it from. And then the third guy comes and he's like, I never said anything about payoffs. <laughs> the only thing that, that anybody had on the record there is that occasionally the one businessman would own him, would loan him money. Which that's not evidence of a payoff. Payoff at all. Yeah. You would have to follow that money trail. Right. I mean, a business owner could could need a loan for any number of reasons. 
That's pretty weak evidence. So I'm assuming that your position on this is that it was clearly suicide. I mean, I don't know if I want to give it away, but but yes. It seems like that that's what this is. Right. Okay. So, but there, there's more to it yet. There's a little bit, a bit more. more. Okay, bit let's more. let's finish the story up before we launch into any discussion. Okay. So now the murder. Well, oh, sorry, the suicide. The suicide right. uh, has has happened over six months ago, but it's still making the rounds. A report was submitted to the Chicago Narcotics Bureau that cheese from the Full Cream Cheese Company had been sent out to California. For the purpose of that cheese company in California to put narcotics packaged inside of it and then resent back out to customers who were buying narcotics disguised as cheese. Okay. And when I say narcotics, generally that means heroin. Okay. So the Chicago Narcotics Bureau looks into this. They pass it on to the federal authorities, which at this time was the Federal Narcotics Bureau. They also investigated. Neither Chicago or the feds were able to find any evidence to support this claim whatsoever. What is what is going on with this? Like just these false rumors that are flying around like crazy with this surrounding this guy and his company. That's just weird, right? Yeah, it's really weird. weird. The Fond du Lac district attorney and the newly elected state attorney general would get questions from the press they said well you're like the district attorneys who handle the state and and you know in Fond du Lac what are you doing about these rumors of the cheese business <laughs> and they're like well i i guess we could open like a a john doe probe <laughs> and they and they more or less suggested that they didn't think there was anything to it but they're like well i guess we could at least do that because with the governor going out there and telling people like, now it's a statewide thing, and everyone's hearing about this stuff in Fond du Lac. Maybe even, you know, beyond the state, people are hearing about this, that Fond du Lac cheese businesses are got these terrible problems. guess we should at least look into it. Mm-hmm. So, they're, so they start opening a probe, <laughs> which they find nothing. <laughs> this is incredible. This woman did an amazing job of, like... Because you would have thought at a certain point, somebody would have just said, okay, enough's enough. We've looked into this enough, and there's just nothing here. Yeah. It's it's weird. And not that there's not shady things in the Italian cheese business, because not with the full cream cheese company, not with Leroy Summers, there are plenty of instances throughout the history of the murders, the tax fraud, there is even some narcotic stuff. There's down the line in the 80s, there's a famous case that came to be known as the Pizza Connection, where they were using cheese in pizza parlors as like drug trafficking routes. So these things do happen, but it's so like wild how much this is flying around and how well they're not able to contain this. At no point should this have ever been publicly debated like in the newspapers the governor should have never mentioned it this all should have just been like amy summers tells people law enforcement or doctors or whoever her suspicions they look into it and they're like no (laughs) this this never should have been like up for debate yeah Yeah. (laughs) 
The Labor Department files a claim against the Full Cream Cheese Company for $319, which which they said was owed to two employees. Um, this was because the minimum wage had gone up from a dollar to a dollar fifteen per hour. <laughs> Those were the days, and the company had not adjusted their paychecks accordingly. So they now, so she now owed three hundred nineteen dollars. She did uh, pay that back. Also, she followed that up by filing for bankruptcy. Uh, she said she'd pay off her creditors, but the business would be no more. So the full cream cheese company. Boo, it's just such a good name. I, how could you fold those? Yeah. I, I hope somebody bought that name up and continued operating it. Yeah. Governor John Reynolds uh, only served two years as governor. So, well, that's like a good sign. <laughs> yeah. So not a, not a long-term governor there. Afterwards, he was appointed a judge, and he's better known today for overseeing the desegregation of Milwaukee Public Schools. Uh, good for him there. Mm-hmm. I got one last piece here before, well, one and a half things. Uh, this actually came in to me after I had finished putting my notes together, but it's real short. Amy Summers, never giving up. She still does. Still. Never giving up, sued her insurance company because life insurance at that time, and I'm pretty sure still today... It doesn't pay out if you commit suicide. Doesn't pay out for suicide. says, we have a clause that it's null and void if you commit suicide. So they said, we're, we're not going to pay out on his death. Like, it's been ruled suicide like three times Rams over. <laughs> she sued, saying, I don't care what anybody says, this death is suspicious, and, and I'm not going to settle on this agreement of suicide. So she sued the insurance company for $200,000, didn't win outright. Rather than take it through all the way through court, they agreed to settle, and they paid her $30,000, which is wow. a pretty good payout when they owed her nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Very true. Wow. Yeah. Ultimately, Amy Summers passes away in November 1979. She was only 56 years old at the time. So I don't know what the cause of her death was. I mean, it was natural, but I don't know what the cause of her death was that she went so young. Um, but she is now buried alongside her husband in Fond du Lac. Whew. All right. A couple questions to this. Yeah. The first one I want to <laughs> talk about is because I do not remember 100% with the previous Grande Cheese episode. Sure. But I feel like, because the previous episode we did was about these murders in like the forties, right? Right. Wasn't it? Wasn't it not really ever confirmed that Grande Cheese really even had anything to do with those murders? Like it was really suspicious, maybe, but there was a lot of evidence that they weren't even involved in them. Well, the thing with that is that the men who were murdered, and I don't even remember how many it was. It was like four or five guys over the course of time, over, like, months or years, whatever. The connection is that they were all either part owners of the company or they were stockholders okay, of the company. Okay, okay, yeah. So there was a link there. Yeah, I, As far as I know, it was never positively determined that any of them were killed because of the involvement in the cheese company. That's the way the newspapers presented it. Each time another guy was killed, they're like, oh, this guy knew this other guy because they were both involved in Grande Cheese. So it became known as 
this series of murders connected to Grande Cheese. I don't know that there was, because nobody was ever caught, I don't know that it was ever proved that this was like, you know, they were killing people off to gain ownership of the company or what the motives were here. Long story short, if you wanted to say that there was nothing to do with Grande Cheese and it was just a coincidence, I really couldn't prove you wrong. Right. And really, even if they were killed off just because they worked for Grande Cheese, Mm -hmm. that's not really on Grande. I mean, I guess depending on who did it, but it doesn't seem like you can really blame. No. It seems like Grande Cheese has gotten a really bad rap for having very little, little things to do. Like, they don't really have a sordid past. They just have an incident where a bunch of people that work for them died. They've got a very unfortunate history. Um. And they should have really never even been pulled into this. There's a no. They should. I mean, they shouldn't have been pulled into this but at that, all. But there's yeah, their whole history from 1940 onward is a series of links, coincidences, rumors. There's very little. There's obviously there's like the tax stuff that you could put on the company, but that's. It's, a lot of major companies run into tax problems. Like, that's not really that strange. All the terrible mob-connected stuff is largely coincidence and loose links and rumors. And it's a lot more coincidences and loose links than most companies, <laughs> but still, it's that's all it is. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they've always been plagued by that from the beginning, which is about 1940, up through today, so far as I know, there was a man who the FBI opened a file on who is still alive today, so I, I won't say his name on here, a guy who is still actively involved in the company today is had an being, FBI file is open being up. investigated. Oh, I'm sure they're not doing it anymore. More. But he was he was actively investigated because of his ties to the company. That is so crazy. That is, that is unfortunate, and we don't know because maybe maybe they were involved in shady things back in the day or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the fact that there is really no evidence to suggest that, and that they just get roped into this stuff all the time, is just really unfortunate for them. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's it's, it's just a shame, and it's almost it makes me want to not say the, their name on this podcast because I feel like they've been. Well, I don't. Taunting. Yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> like. Say, I mean, it's unavoidable because you have to say it for the story to make sense. But yeah, I d- I don't like doing it because, I mean, obviously they know. Like this is not a secret <laughs> to them. People who work at, at Grande, the people who own Grande, like they know this. So I want to just be very clear. You know, I don't want to perpetuate those rumors. I want to want to be very clear that some of the things that are said are just flat out based on nothing. Mm-hmm. And people ran with it. And this is one of those cases where there's nothing here. I, I don't know what at this point would turn up that you could say that this wasn't a suicide. I just don't see it. I would love to know what that former employee had said and who they named as a killer. I think that'd be a fascinating thing to explore. Obviously, the police didn't take it that seriously. Because they questioned him, they got the name, and he never heard about it again. Yeah. They apparently looked into it and thought, well, this is a bunch of crap. And then the other thing I just find fascinating about this story, and is it Ashley? Ashley Summers? Amy. Amy Summers. Just, I mean, what what you're talking about here almost sounds like 
this girl was like the early age social media and went viral with the crap yeah. she was doing because like how did she get so much how did she rope a governor <laughs> into this yeah i mean and good for her that she fought and tried she thoroughly yeah. believed he would not do this and tried to fight for it but wow just I, I just can't imagine that at some point somebody just didn't say, like, look, it's time to let it go. There is mm. no evidence that anything but suicide happened. Right. And it's just, it's a mind-blowing story from that perspective. Like, like, yeah. what was she doing? How was she getting so much, what do you call it, like? Uh, exposure? Exposure, yeah, to to everybody that, that this was such a thing. I guess the local newspapers just thought it was that good of a story and other papers picked up on it. Yeah. But and which made, is, which is very much like you're saying, that's the sixties version of going viral. Yeah, so. it really is. It really is. And and maybe it's just she was blessed because she was really loud and she was in Fond du Lac yeah. and maybe like Fond du Lac's not that big of a city. Yeah, now. maybe maybe in Fond du Lac that was the most exciting, exciting thing, to thing that, that they could ha- have news about. So yeah. she was just able to get her face everywhere. Absolutely. But. And I do I do want to make it clear I am in no way blaming her because I cannot imagine, like, in her position, like, I don't agree with her, but I understand she's going through some massive grief. You know, she's lost her husband, probably lost her livelihood because now they're not running the business. You know, they've got kids and stuff. I'm not blaming her. She's going through some horrible grief. And, of course, that's always like the first reaction of a spouse or a parent or whatever when there's suicide is like how could this have happened it's very rare that somebody's like oh yeah that was totally gonna happen <laughs> yeah you know that doesn't surprise me at all yeah. i mean in some cases i'm sure it does happen but but generally like that is the reaction is people being like no how could this be yeah and i don't blame her either i'm just i'm just shocked by hearing the kind of exposure that she was able to get. And and I guess in, in a way it's refreshing, and I think it's good for her that she fought for what she believed in. Yeah. She thoroughly made sure that this was properly, properly looked at, probably yeah, that's all over I'm saying. the sense of reasonable. That's all I'm saying. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I don't think I did this, but I don't want people to think that I'm like saying that she's nuts or something, that she kept pushing this hard. I don't think she's nuts at all. I think that this really took an emotional strain on her and this was how she dealt with it right if that's how she felt like i cannot blame her for that no so no and it's not unreasonable to ask that it be looked at further no it's not it's not i am surprised they went along with it as much as they did that (laughs) that's honestly that is the biggest surprise to me is is that one of these but it it seems like it kind of bounced from different agency to different agency a little bit might have been what you know she might have just really known how to play her cards like once the police stop you know listening to her okay who else can i reach out to that'll listen to me yeah yeah i'm glad we got this out there this is a story that i've known about for gosh over 10 years now i think i first i think i published something like actually got paid published something on this about 11 years ago where did you publish it? In a journal of all places. So like you can't even really find it. I'm so glad to be able to come back around to it because I was able to get the the coroner's report released. And I really wanted to have that before I put something really firm on the podcast because I'm like, I know what I'm pretty confident happened and I know what the newspapers are saying happened. 
but I want to like see the source. Yeah, you want to see. And and once I saw the source, I was like, in that corner, you, you got doctor after doctor being like, yeah, like this is what it is. Yeah, the only way in my mind that this is not a suicide is if somebody came up with like chloroform or something, knocked the guy unconscious, and then ran the exhaust into the car, which I guess is possible. That seems odd uh, to me. Yeah. And if you're going to kill somebody, this seems like, well, I guess it isn't a weird way to kill somebody. because It's not a weird way if you want to cover it up. Yeah, if you want to make it look like a suicide. But but yeah, I think probably something dramatic happened to this guy. And he he probably was not a guy that would ever seem like he would kill himself. That one thing happened to him. Which we probably don't know what that probably thing don't, is. Well, uh, my guess is based on her declaring bankruptcy and him taking out loans. Is probably the business yeah, was doing worse off than she realized. And yeah, and he just couldn't take it anymore and just yeah. made a rash decision. Yeah. Anyways, I think that this was a very very good story. So good find on this one. Thanks. And and I love the fact that it's. It's two podcasts in one. So, yeah, I know. So that's awesome. I know you'd appreciate that because <laughs> now you you get two for the one edit. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, but it is. I think it's. I think both sets of listeners for people who do listen to one or the other. I think they'll both get something, something out of better. this. So, with that, we can we'll wrap this episode up. Um, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Milwaukee Mafia. You can find it at MilwaukeeMafia.com. We yeah. have a mailing list. You can sign up for that in the show notes or on MilwaukeeMafia.com. And Gavin, where can people reach out to you? Best way to find me is MilwaukeeMafia at gmail.com. Send those emails in. We're always looking for new Patreon content. We so. sure are. Yeah, Patreon is is primarily mailbag and uh, behind-the-scenes information. If you send in a question, I'll also answer it to you directly. But I generally, if you send in a good question, we'll use it on air as well. So. With that, we'll wrap this episode up. We'll be back next week with a Patreon episode. So if you're not on the Patreon, you should get over there and subscribe to get that episode. And we'll be back in two weeks with a regular Mafia episode. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. Join us in two weeks for another exciting episode of Murder and Mayhem.